Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to begin today by talking about Carson Beck, partially, uh, partially because that's what Kirby Smart spent a lot of time in his uh, weekly press conference talking about yesterday, and also partially because I made a pretty big blunder yesterday. Now, listen, I am far from a perfect person. I make mistakes all the time. But we had intended to do a segment on Beck at the end of yesterday's show. Frankly, you know, a lot going on. We kind of ran a little long. Uh, at the end, I just completely blew right past what we had planned on doing with Carson Beck, closed out the show. We were pretty long as it was so perhaps it was better to save it for today anyway but some of what we're going to do right now we intended to do in yesterday and just kind of blew right past it but it's also worth kind of building on a little bit because Kirby Smart was talking more about Carson Beck yesterday too and I think it's important probably to kind of look and see where things stand with Georgia's new starting quarterback after three games on the job and I want to go back to Saturday to begin this Kirby's immediate evaluation of how well he thought back play in a game in which Georgia only scored 24 points was losing at halftime down 14 to 3 there some stalled offensive drives kind of leading to that first half deficit but overall Kirby's evaluation of Carson was positive on Saturday this is what Kirby said then and it sets us up for where we want to go today here is Kirby smart on Carson back I did a good job. I don't even know what his numbers ended up being, but 27 or 35, is that what he was? Yeah, that's pretty good. He throws the ball down the field well. I thought he got rid of the ball he had to. He made plays with his feet. You know, he took off running and made plays. So, but Carson has done a tremendous job being the commander and leader of this offense. Does he have to get better? Yeah. He had some throws that were a little bit inaccurate, but very pleased with what Carson's done. And the way that Kirby talks about that there is a little bit of a theme, I think, for the way that he's choosing to talk about his quarterback here right now. You're going to notice this through the conversation we're about to have. It's pretty obvious that Kirby has, at least he's projecting, an unwavering degree of confidence in back right now for, as Kirby's going to tell us throughout the course of our time here, the things that he's seen from back over the course of the last few months, over the course of the last couple of years, the types of stuff that we don't always get to see, what happens in practice, what happens you know, around the football building, away from the watchful eye of fans and media. It is those things in those moments that has led you know, Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo and this Georgia coaching staff to believe that Carson Beck is the best quarterback for Georgia. And now we're in the process of watching Beck try to demonstrate to the entirety of the college football world, Dog Nation included, that that he really is that guy and the confidence the Georgia coaching staff has put in him is well placed and as uh, Kirby Smart said you know the total statistical picture for Beck on Saturday was certainly more good than not and so perhaps he's kind of on his way to doing that but there were some harrowing moments obviously on Saturday as Kirby said there are some things that Beck perhaps needs to get better with and some of this was maybe accentuated by the fact that as we mentioned a moment ago Georgia was losing at halftime of this game when it was a huge favorite yet very much in danger after the first 30 minutes on Saturday against the Gamecocks so after the game on Saturday Kirby was asked hey what'd you tell Carson in that moment when you really needed him to not just show how good he could be but kind of help lead you to a win that was kind of called into question based on the way the first two quarters kind of played out and once again Kirby kind of talked about the message that he delivered to Carson once again 
reflecting and projecting the confidence this coaching staff seems to have in him right now once again Kirby from Saturday we believe in you we're getting ready to come out here and do this thing they're bringing a lot of pressure we got answers for pressure we practice pressure we knew that they were going to bring pressure I would bring pressure if I was them too and uh, I thought he you know he, he said Chris we got it he's good he's very confident about it he's, he's not frustrated that's the one thing about that kid now he's not he's not emotional and that's isn't that an interesting and candid thing for Kirby Smart to say and he said it now a few times I'm always drawn to the types of things that Kirby Smart says somewhat repeatedly because you assume that if he says it that much he must you know really believe it he must really think that and that's one of the things about Carson Beck that he has said quite a bit which is that you know Carson doesn't get too high doesn't get too low he does stay pretty even keeled and that's the kind of thing that Kirby Smart has seemingly really noticed about Carson and in a moment like that on Saturday in which hey you got to play well but you can't get overwhelmed by the moment it sounds like Kirby from a I guess a psychological standpoint feels like that Carson Beck is very well equipped to do that and if you want to get an example of this for yourself let's go back to Carson Beck himself after the game on Saturday reflecting on it's an SEC game against South Carolina the environment in the stadium was much different than anything it had been uh you know the previous two games everything just sort of feels different in that type of situation but when Kirby says I see kind of an unwavering psyche an unwavering mindset that doesn't get too high too low you know the relaxed way in which Carson Beck describes the differences in the type of game that he played on Saturday I think gives all of us a glimpse of what Kirby Smart says that he's seen for an example of this let's hear Carson from after the game on Saturday. Obviously, the SEC game is always going to be different. The physicality is going to be higher. Um, the tension in the game is going to be higher. Um, I mean, it's a lot of fun. You know, the stakes are raised. The fans are here cheering us on. So it was a lot of fun. It was super exciting. So that's kind of what Kirby says he's saying. Hey, this is definitely different. Boy, you notice the fans are more into it. The opponent's kind of throwing some things at me that a UT Martin or a whoever it was, Ball State, that Georgia played uh, in the second game, they're not able to throw at me. But I'm having fun out here. This is what it's all about. This is what I dreamed of doing. I'm getting a chance to play in the SEC, and that's kind of a description of all that that's in kind of the even keel manner that Kirby Smart says that he's seen from back. But there is a moment in which – some of that probably needs to change. There is a moment in which your team probably wants to feed off your emotion as a quarterback. And you don't want to be too out there emotionally, but there is that moment in which you want to kind of create a little bit of an energy that becomes a focal point for everybody else to rally around. It was also interesting yesterday, going back to Monday, when Kirby Smart delivered his weekly press conference in discussing, once again, the kind of the mindset of Carson Beck, the kind of even keel not too high not too low perhaps some of that started to change on Saturday and perhaps some of that in the eyes of smart could be a little bit of a change for the better once again this is yesterday Kirby Smart talking about a moment in which Carson decided not to be quite so even keel and not quite so I don't want to use the word emotionless but not quite as emotional as Smart himself says he would be and Kirby said when that happened perhaps that was a little bit of a good thing this is Kirby from yesterday as a matter of fact there was a touchdown Saturday I saw him celebrate for the first time and that's really good like when you see that emotion there was one of the touchdowns in the second half that he got a little emotional excited I think our guys kind of rally around him when he does that uh, stepping up in the pocket there's a couple times that he 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 started losing a little confidence and he started stepping back he's got to be willing to step up like they talk about race car drivers when the smoke's there 
you got to go right through it. There's there's a lot of smoke in there sometimes, especially when people pressure you. You got to be willing to step up and go through it, and not always out and around it, because you you can't always outrun it that way. So, um, but he, I'm really pleased with the way he's playing. But certainly things he can continue to work on. I don't really think of Kirby Smart, typically speaking, as a big analogy guy, but that's actually a pretty good analogy of what a race car driver has to do. It takes some guts when there's a pile up in front of you, smoke comes up from those exhaust of the race cars to want to drive right through that and drive your way through danger. But there is an element of a quarterback kind of needing to do that. And when you listen to that clip from Kirby, I think you see two things that Carson Beck needs to do more of going forward. One of those is he does need to build his own confidence. As Kirby says, it takes some confidence to want to step into the pocket, step closer to danger. Uh, It takes some confidence to want to be able to do that. And perhaps that's why Kirby Smart says so many complimentary things about Beck to help him build the confidence that he needs to step in and do what's required. When Kirby said at halftime of that game against South Carolina, even though Georgia's losing, hey, we believe in you. It's that belief that coaches have, and they extend that to the player that allows that player to perhaps play with more confidence. It seems like Beck's confidence needs to continue to grow because it just seems like the entire team feeds off of a competent quarterback. Now, Jake Fromm's actually said some really good stuff about this in the past, and Jake will join us in tomorrow's show. The confidence can't be fake and it can't be phony because if it is, the team will kind of tune that out. We all have a tendency to tune out what we believe is inauthentic, so you can't fake it, but if you can actually if it can be real and genuine and authentic, it does become kind of a rallying point for the team to have. And then beyond that, you know, Kirby did say, hey, you know, when you show that emotion, when you are happy after something good happens, you create the kind of energy that does allow the team to rally around you. That's the other thing that I think that, you know, really based on what Kirby Smart just said there, that's the other thing that I think that Beck can do here moving forward, in addition to growing his own confidence himself, creating the kind of, you know, nucleus for the team that allows the entire offense to rally around the quarterback because that's just kind of what football is all about, which sort of leads us to Saturday and what can happen against UAB. I think that UAB is a very big game for Beck on Saturday for a lot of reasons, including everything that comes after that for Georgia. I think that that Saturday against the Blazers, that's the day for Beck to kind of fully and completely establish the confidence he needs to have in himself and the confidence this Georgia team needs to have in him so they can rally around him and have the kind of fun we want to see this Georgia offense have on a per-game basis. And the good news here is, once again, Kirby Smart absolutely believes that Carson Beck is capable of doing that and will do that, regardless of what any kind of naysayer may say around the program. Kirby absolutely believes that is coming for Carson because of all the things he's seen from Carson going back not just the last few weeks of this season, but the last couple of years that Carson's been in the program. One more from Kirby on the subject of Carson, you know, going into his fourth start against UAB on Saturday. Take a listen to this. I want to clarify, Carson has done a good job. I don't, again, I don't know what you guys write, read, or hear because you listen to a lot more of it than I do. I don't know. Like, I go by his week of practice, his preparation, and his execution. And I'm very pleased with that. I mean, he, he, he makes good decisions with the ball. Well, that, that happened the last two years when nobody was asking about him. You're like, nobody was asking about Carson Beck. Nobody asked about Carson Beck for two years. But he was out there doing the same thing he's doing now. He was getting better, and that allowed for a smooth transition. So I absolutely believe that's true. Uh, 
I believe that if that weren't true, Georgia wouldn't have taken the steps to announce Beck as the starter a couple of weeks prior to the start of the season. That's a little bit of an unorthodox decision based on some of the things that Smart's done in the past. And so the preponderance of evidence of years of being in the program and years of learning the offense, which Smart says is the exact same it's always been, by the way, more on that in a moment, that it's the knowledge that Beck has of the offense that Georgia wants to run and the poise that he's shown as he's waited his turn to be the Georgia starting quarterback I believe that must be true. Otherwise, Georgia wouldn't be treating Beck the way that it's chosen to treat him. But I also say Carson now does have the job of going out there and showing everybody else just how true that that is. You've heard us say that we'd like to have that kind of Stetson Bennett versus UAB moment for Beck at some point in time. You know, when you go back to 2021, when Stetson stepped in in place of a then-injured JT Daniels, Stet threw five touchdowns that day, and it became an indication, a little bit of a success leaves clues moment where you kind of got a hint of just how good Stetson Bennett could be if he ever had a chance to have this offense to himself, and lo and behold, he would go on then to lead Georgia to two national championships. Well, that kind of hasn't quite happened yet for Carson Beck ironically maybe it comes against the same team UAB on Saturday you also heard us last week talk about the flea flicker moment for Jake Fromm against uh, Mississippi State in 2017 the big throw that caused everybody to know how special the player possibly could be I would say in Stetson's first SEC game against South Carolina that moment didn't quite come either Kirby's right I don't think I don't think that Beck was particularly bad on Saturday I, I don't I don't, I don't really see a lot of evidence to suggest that at all. But it wasn't the kind of spectacular wow moment that causes everybody to rally around you. But UAB could be that game. And to be honest with you, UAB on Saturday probably needs to be that game. This is a Blazers team that comes in on Saturday struggling just a little bit. We have a tendency to kind of put all of these group of five, FCS, sort of lesser kind of by game type opponents. We have a tendency to put them all in the same category. But typically speaking, they're actually – sometimes quite different this is a UAB team with a brand new coach and uh Trent Dilfer who's never really kind of been a coach at this level before a lot of you know UAB's already lost twice this season last week they lost to Louisiana Lafayette uh but not only did they lose at one point they were down 41 to 3 to Louisiana Lafayette so this is not a good football team and it's the kind of game the kind of team in which Georgia ought to be even with the injuries that it's dealing with it ought to be able to accomplish everything that it wants to offensively and if it does that could be the confidence boost this group needs as it gets ready to go on the road to Auburn next week, which is a huge game. It's the kind of game where your confidence will be tested. It's the kind of game in which the bond this team has with with itself is going to be tested a little bit too. So one more moment to kind of tune up and get ready for that against UAB on Saturday. I believe that Georgia is going to use this time well. It's practice time. It's game time. I believe this is the kind of tune-up moment Georgia needs to have for the stretch run that it's on its way. Kirby smart says we've got a lot of confidence in Carson Beck Kirby smart says Carson Beck is our quarterback this is the guy that we believe in and on Saturday against the Blazers Beck I think will show everybody exactly why this Georgia coaching staff has been so confident in him my name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans we're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us live on video 945 first and 15 dognation.com dog nation app 10 a.m after that live everywhere else on all the video platforms radio athens sports radio 960 the ref podcast whichever way you choose to listen uh, on the podcast platforms uh, on demand audio version of our show we're just really thankful that you find it really really happy to have you with us as a part of the program today and a big thanks to our friends 
at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making the uh, show possible here today. Longtime friends of ours around Dog Nation, especially here on Dog Nation Daily, and proud partners of UG there as well. So hopefully it's fun to do business with a company like ESOG because they support us and they have uh, supported uh, the University of Georgia for quite some time there as well. And listen, this is one of those things where perhaps if you're not thinking about this kind of thing, Engineered Solutions of Georgia could perhaps be out of sight, out of mind for you. But let me give you a couple of things to look for. And hopefully you've heard me say this by now enough to know. A couple of triggers. If you see these, then that's, oh yeah, BA talked about Engineered Solutions of Georgia for this very this very thing. Thing number one, water creeping in where it's not supposed to be. Basement, crawl space, garage, anywhere else in your house or the structure that it kind of includes your home. Any kind of water where it's not supposed to be, that water creeping in can cause the kind of damage that can really leave you in a tough situation. The, the, the sign of that, whether it be standing water in the basement or like residue of water that's kind of come in and kind of evaporate a little bit, that kind of residue, the stains, the, the, the signs that water was there, that's the kind of thing that ought to get you thinking about engineered solutions of Georgia. Same thing for the cracks in like the, like the horizontal cracks, sometimes in sheetrock or You'll get these like little stair step cracks in your brick. Once again, that's a sign that you could have a foundation issue. Now, to think that your home may have a foundation issue, that's the kind of thing that's sort of easy to want to put off and not think about at all. I I totally get that. I, I completely understand that. But nothing is gained by putting that off because oftentimes what you'll find out is, hey, what what seems like it's a problem may perhaps not quite be as big a problem as it seems like it might be. That if it's a simple fix, a solutions-oriented company like Engineered Solutions of Georgia will just give you a simple fix for that problem. But if it's more substantial work, all the more reason to have a team like that from ESOG on the job because they've got an entire team of engineers on staff to help solve your foundation or waterproofing problem. There's really nobody else in our market that can say anything quite like that. So give them a call. Phone number, very easy to remember. Simply dial 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. Check out our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a proud partner of UGA and a longtime friend of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. Let me also quickly say to you about this, dognation.com is a place you can go, and I believe our waiting list is still open for our sold-out Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River. going to be an amazing experience. Uh, We don't know how good Tennessee is going to be when we get there, but we have a feeling of how good Georgia can be by November, and we know how fun this party is going to be. Amazing tailgate experience on a boat sailing down the Tennessee River, much to the chagrin of all those Vols fans, but as we told them, they got bigger problems than our tailgate. They, they got to worry about not having three losses by the time George gets there in November. But nonetheless, if you try to get tickets and could not, there is still an opportunity here to get on a wait list. And I know we're going to try to get as many people on the boat as we possibly can. So go to dognation.com and you can sign up for that today. All right, I'm going to have Connor Riley join our show in a minute. Prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And I want to be like really, really candid here just for a moment because I try to be as honest as I possibly can be on this show. Maybe, I don't know, I guess nobody's perfect, but I really try to be as honest as I possibly can be. And here's the one thing, if you've been with us for a long time, I think you know, is that on this show, we love Kirby Smart. And if you're a Georgia fan, how could you not, right? I mean, Kirby Smart, we believe, is the best coach in college football. We are overwhelmed by the unprecedented level of success that Kirby Smart has brought to UGA. We revel in that. That's been the thrill of my sporting lifetime to be able to see Georgia have the kind of success that prior to this I would have honestly thought was just unimaginable, not just for Georgia, but perhaps anybody, to be as dominant on a per-game basis as Georgia has been. I mean, that's it just goes without saying. It, it, it's amazing. 
However, when I have a bias about something, when I have some sort of preconceived notion that might cloud my judgment, I try to be as honest with you as I can about that. Hey, this is something I think going in. This is sort of my prior, my preconceived notion. And there is a little bit of a preconceived notion bias that I have that kind of bumps up against Kirby Smart, a guy that I love. And sometimes the preconceived bias that I have, the preconceived notion that I have about certain things actually even impacts the way that sometimes I might think about Kirby Smart. And I'm just going to be very honest. I'm going to say a couple of words here and just sort of leave it at that. I have a little bit of an allergy to so-called experts right now. You know, it's like I feel like my cost of living has gone up about 100 percent in the last two years. And yet somebody with some sort of fancy degree from some sort of fancy college is telling me that inflation is actually going down. I'm just too stupid to realize that like that kind of expert stuff that you see on cable news all the time. I'm a little er- I'm a little allergic to that. I, I don't have a lot of tolerance for so-called experts for a lot of reasons here over the course of the last you know couple of years. And there's an element in the way that Kirby Smart speaks sometimes, even though I think he truly is a football expert. My gosh, the, the proof has been in the pudding about how successful uh, that he's been. But even though like Kirby's a guy that I like and Kirby's a guy that I genuinely as deeply in my soul as I'm possible to be able to access, uh, even though I think that Kirby's just the best that's doing it. Kirby has a way of talking sometimes that sort of sounds like the shut up and believe me because I'm an expert that I don't like in other people. I'm just going to be completely honest about that. And I think Kirby suffers here, not by his own doing, but by my, I guess, perhaps false assumption about how annoying some sort of so-called experts can sometimes be. And so yesterday, I think there was an example of that. The subject came up about the Georgia offense and Kirby wants us all to understand that no matter what we think we might see, and honestly, I've told you yesterday, like this is one of those things, I don't put on false airs or false, like, you know, uh, what like, persona here. I'm not smart enough to know, play calling wise, what Georgia was doing, what Georgia is doing, or perhaps even what Georgia should do. This is one of those things I don't pretend with, right? I'm, I'm not interested in kind of playing that game really at all. But to those, and there's a huge cry on social media that something's not quite right with the Georgia offense here through three games. To those who think they think that, Kirby Smart had a pretty strong response yesterday. I want you to hear it. This is Kirby Smart. The offense that we've played this year is the exact same offense as we've played for the last three years. Look at the plays. Anybody that knows football would tell you that the, 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 the plays are the same. Um, our execution in the red area hasn't been great. And... Uh, hadn't scored as many points. You know, we haven't been as explosive and as dynamic. Uh, and some of that has to do with players being out. And some of that has to do with executing. But very comfortable with where we are offensively. Let me tell you what I don't like about that. And then I want to spend more time talking about what I do like about that. And then when I get into what I do like about it, that's where I'll acknowledge where I'm probably being a little bit unfair to Kirby Smart as it relates to this particular topic. The thing that I don't like about that from Kirby Smart is, oh, we're running the same offense, but we've got injuries and we've had some execution issues. And so therefore, our overall production hasn't been quite what it's supposed to be. There are a lot of coaches that love to pretend that strategy doesn't exist, that everything in football kind of comes down to the level of motivation your team has. That's one of the reasons why I've always hated the whole Nick Saban idea of rat poison, because I think that rat poison to I guess use a pun has poisoned the football conversation because now coaches can pretend that the only thing that determines wins and losses is how motivated the team is to play the game. 
But if that were true, coaches would only make $15 an hour, right? We pay these coaches millions of dollars because we believe that smart ones, good ones, are capable of cultivating a strategic advantage against their opponent. And we see the proof in the pudding of that all the time. So clearly, even though sometimes coaches, and Kirby would be included in this group, sometimes they pretend that strategy is not a thing, that everything comes down to complacency or injuries or execution of the players. In other words, if it doesn't work, it's their fault. Um, you know, while coaches kind of have a tendency to kind of veer that direction with their commentary, the truth is we know, you know, strategy, almost said strategy, the Will Ferrell thing, uh, strategy is actually a really big part of football. In an even game against two equal teams, coaching decisions play a big part in how a game is ultimately decided. We thought Ryan Day failed his team uh, with Ohio State last year. He chose to get very, very conservative near the end of the game. He settled for a 50-yard field goal that he frankly should have never even tried. Ohio State and Georgia, for the most part, are equals. Very, very talented teams, You know, elite recruits on both sides, and decisions that Kirby Smart did make, calling a timeout uh, before a fake punt, uh, all kinds of other decisions throughout that game, that helped Georgia have a small edge that allowed them to win the game. Some decisions that Ryan Day made near the end, selling for a 50-yard field goal, I believe it's even been said, I think I heard Kevin Butler say this, uh, putting the ball on the wrong hash for the kicker, all of those decisions were strategic errors that an otherwise even game cost Ohio State. Strategy is a huge part of football. Sometimes coaches try to pretend that it doesn't exist. So that's the element of some of this kind of stuff, Kirby being sort of a typical coach. I don't always love the way that typical coaches talk about stuff like this because it kind of feels to me like the, hey, trust me, I'm an expert uh, type of stuff that we don't like in other walks of life, or at least that I don't always like in other walks of life. But that said, here is why I believe I'm being unfair to Kirby Smart. In addition to saying, hey, this is the same offense, you people are crazy. Uh, this is the same offense, we just didn't quite execute, or we had a few injuries, or whatever else. In the midst of all of that, there's something else that Kirby Smart says there, which should not get lost, and pretty well echoes everything that we said yesterday. We came on yesterday's show as to say, I'm not interested in playing the blame game. I don't care if it's this person's fault or this person's fault or if it's this thing's fault or that thing's fault. I don't really care what that is. You heard me say this yesterday. I'm not interested in the why. I'm only interested in the what. And the what is Georgia needs to score more points, whether it's because they're coming out slow in the first half or whether it's because whatever else, they're just simply not scoring enough points right now to be the kind of elite offense paired with an elite defense that gives them a chance of winning the national championship and I believe that's unquestionably true and the good news is is that in the midst of some other stuff that I don't necessarily always love Kirby Smart absolutely delivered that message right there speaking about results and then later on in yesterday's press conference kind of said the same thing now I want to be clear about something what I'm about to play for you I edited just slightly because this was sort of spoken in the context of also Carson Beck I sort of chopped out the back part and kind of combined the evaluation of the offensive part uh so if you go back and watch the dog nation YouTube you'll hear it sound a little bit different but I'm not changing the context I'm just pulling the back part of this out once again Kirby Smart saying in the midst of people talking about the offense and if it's different it's the same ultimately Smart kind of arrives at the same point we were at yesterday of no matter how you describe it no matter what the why is the what is the results need to be better and if you're a Georgia fan you got to love this from your coach he said this yesterday you know everybody thinks it's some kind of different offense it's the exact same it's not it's not different the results have not been the same I mean that's that's statistical proof but uh, we got to get better results that's for sure so 
I think if you're a Georgia fan, you got to like that. And like I said before, you know, the whole idea of asking anybody who knows football, they'll tell you that this is all the same as it's always been. You know, some of that kind of stuff doesn't always set super well with me, whether it's Kirby Smart saying that or somebody else saying that. But when Kirby says, hey, look at the results, we didn't score enough points. That's absolutely the kind of responsibility. That's absolutely the kind of accountability that you want your coach to have. Because ultimately, Georgia just does need to score points. Whether it's getting off to a faster start and scoring more points in the first half or just having more explosive plays in general. We said yesterday, explosive plays lead to points and points leads to wins. That Georgia really a top 10 offense in each of the last two years. Last year, kind of a top five offense. That's really kind of an unspoken story for how Georgia's won the last two national championships. It's pairing that great offense with a great defense. It's allowed them to do that. Right now, the Georgia offense looks like it's got some work to do to be as good as it's been the last couple of years. But I absolutely believe the uh, possibility exists. and In fact, maybe even the likelihood exists. That's exactly where Georgia will eventually get. Not gotten off to the greatest start there yet. That's true, but the good, news, the good news is, I should say, is that Smart openly acknowledged that yesterday. And that's the kind of, I guess, honesty that gives you the foundation for great improvement to come as the year rolls on. And that is around the doghouse here today, presented by uh, Dog Nation Daily on ESOG, Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Now, I've talked enough. Uh, Connor Riley was in Athens yesterday, had a lot to hear from Kirby, a lot to say himself here right now about where Georgia goes after three games and a little bit of a lackluster performance in its first SEC win against South Carolina. And oh yeah, by the way, before we're done, massive, massive news on the injury front uh, for Georgia. You better believe we'll cover that. And some really sad news, speaking of injuries, as it relates to Nick Chubb last night. All of that's still yet to come. But for now, the scene in Athens with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Let us say hello to Connor Riley in Athens yesterday, seeing everything kind of unfolding around this Georgia team. Some really good stuff there at DogNation.com as well. And he joins us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. So, Connor, you know, yesterday what we said was, I'm not that interested in kind of talking about why this is true, because frankly, I don't know that I'm smart enough to tell you why it's true. And I'm also not so pessimistic that I believe it's going to remain true for the entirety of the year. Clearly, we've seen enough good stuff from Georgia the last couple of years to believe the best is probably still yet to come. But through three games, if you just want to call balls and strikes here for a moment, you know, this Georgia offense, I believe, has got a lot to improve upon a lot to work on they didn't score enough points on saturday and whether that's because of a slow start on offense or because of something else i honestly don't really even care it's just simply about the results here you know georgia's got to score more points against kind of power five sec level competition to be as good as it's been the last couple of years uh kirby obviously pushed back against some offensive criticism yesterday where are you on all of this right now yeah i mean i'll agree with what kirby said yesterday Structurally, it's not a different offense. Um, now you can point to you know different play caller calling different plays. Sure, uh, it's the same offense that we saw a season ago. Uh, you know maybe it's slightly more screen heavy now than it was then. The running game was also in the first two games of the year worse this year than it was last year, largely due to personnel. And so you know you're trying to figure out what to do. I find it interesting that the plan that they had on Saturday again relied so heavily on those quick games passes and, and you know i get that it was wet out there you've got to push the ball down the field a little bit more uh the running game was there on saturday if you get 12 more games like that out of Dejan edwards 
The running game is going to be just fine. I think between Edwards, Bell, and Cash Jones, they've found something there that is a nice mix of if Edwards is able to sort of soften up the defense and take the hits on a down-by-down basis, you allow shiftier playmakers like Bell and Jones to have touchdown runs like they had. Uh, You know, Carson, again, I don't know if he's not looking downfield or I don't know if they're not calling as many plays down the field. I get you want to get the ball to your playmakers in space. They did that a season ago uh, to an extent. But they also got to find a way to get the ball to Brock Bowers in that 12 to 15 yard range where you, we've seen him before take those gains and whip it open. You know, even last year, he had a long touchdown catch and run that wasn't just a little screen dump off, but he, he ran a good route and then turned that into an even longer play there. So I, I think it's a mixture of those two things that as this offense continues to battle injuries, they're going to have to find. Uh, you know, an offense that works best for the skill players that they have available. But with what they have at wide receiver and what they have at Brock Bowers, you know, I get wanting to to take some pressure off the run game there uh, with the way they've been calling plays and calling short pass plays. But the biggest thing is that they both, and it's not just it's not just Bobo, it's not just Beck. It is Kirby Smart, it is Mike Bobo, it is Carson Beck. They all have to be on the same page and sort of extend and find bigger pass plays. Because if, I think if you're able to do that, you're going to make uh, things a lot easier, and you're not going to get bogged down in the red zone. The biggest issue that, that came out of Saturday, six drives into the red zone, only three touchdowns. That just simply isn't good enough uh, against an SEC-level opponent in South Carolina. I, I get that Kirby said, you know, first and ten at the 10-yard line is the longest 10 yards you're going to have to gain on the field, and that's correct. Georgia's got enough raw talent on the team to where they should be able to overcome that. And they weren't on Saturday, and I think that's a big reason why so many people are frustrated with the offense right now. So here's what I said yesterday, and you can tell me if you think this is right or you can take it wherever you want to go after this. That what we saw on Saturday was a little bit of a continuation of a couple of things that have kind of always been true for Georgia. You know, Georgia is content to play a little slower than other teams do. They're in like the 50s, 50th something in the country in terms of total plays per game. They're like 91st in the country in plays per second, meaning how fast they play. That's kind of always true for Georgia. Georgia is also, typically speaking, you know, certainly not among the nation's best in percentage of red zone trips that result in touchdowns. That's kind of never true. And it's really, it's really one of the only categories in which year after year consistently Georgia is not like I mean you're hard-pressed to find anything in this Georgia program that's like not not top five nationally almost every year they're just so good at almost everything across the board but percentage of red zone trips resulting in touchdowns last four full seasons they're kind of outside the top 30 in most cases uh in most of those years I believe in terms of how successful they are in that particular category but when Todd Munkin was here they mitigated against both those things by having a lot of explosive plays last year led the nation with 98 plays of 20 or more yards and so when you played somewhat deliberately you were still lethally effective and when you didn't always convert your red zone trips into touchdowns you were scoring before you got to the red zone so ultimately that wasn't necessarily all that big of a factor and so I you know I'm certainly not going to you know say that right now Mike Bobo can't be every bit of the offensive coordinator that Todd Munkin was but you are reminded of what it looks like for Georgia when there aren't the explosive plays and on Saturday they weren't there weren't tons of those and so therefore slow methodical drives that don't result in points because they bogged down the red zone I think you're reminded on Saturday about how potentially uh, uh devastating those types of things can be right and this is a I think a good point to bring up uh look again hasn't had a ton of experience in this and he's obviously allowed to get better at it 
Uh, Carson Beck's deep passing has left a little bit to be desired. He had the miss to Brock Bowers deep on Saturday, where not only was Bowers open and, and Beck should have hit him, but Marcus Rosemey Jack same further up the field was even more was was just as open for an even bigger play there, and they don't end up hooking up on that on the uh, flea flicker there. And one of the real strengths of Stetson Bennett last season, you can say a lot about him, he was a great deep ball passer. And you think in those big games, his ability to hit that deep shot when it was presented uh, was huge for this offense. Uh, they're just not doing that right now. And, and, you know, no more was that clear in the first half. Carson Beck had 18 pass attempts in the first half on Saturday. Do you know how long his longest completion was, B.A.? Could have been very long. It was 11 yards. Yeah. That's just that's just not good enough. And then you see it in the second half on those first two drives where Georgia coincidentally scores a touchdown. They have four pass plays of 12 yards or longer. Uh, you hit the nail on the head there. Again, structurally, in terms of what they're calling with this offense, it's not all that different in terms of the plays they're running, in terms of the design and things like that. But they're just not executing in that deep passing game, which you point to as explosive plays. And Georgia was an explosive running team last year, and I don't think they really are suited to be that again this year. Uh, it, the absence right now, the lack of deep passing plays, is the biggest issue in my mind with this offense. And from a, if you go across the board from a skill player standpoint, for what Georgia had for most of last year, it's probably pretty even with this. Obviously, you don't have Lad McConkey now, but. You liked what you've seen out of Dominic Lovett. Ra-Ra Thomas had the longest reception on Saturday with a 36-yard game. Uh, Marcus Rosemey Jack Zane had a career day on Saturday, and I think he continues to improve and is certainly, I think, a better version of himself than what we saw last season. And so you sort of wonder what's the disconnect there. And again, sure, it was raining. You don't want to take a lot of deep shots and that. It's just harder to throw the football. But I think we've seen enough now, and you mentioned the pace and the tempo with which Georgia plays. The Bulldogs just have to start hitting – uh, a deeper pass plays, more explosive pass plays uh, that, as you point out, take pressure off some of the red zone struggles, uh, an area where Georgia, uh, I think, is one of the few areas they unequivocally have not been great at uh, in even the Todd Munkin era uh, at Georgia. Let's talk more about Carson back here for a moment because I do think Georgia fans should take it very seriously, some of the stuff that Kirby has said that he said to back, but also said about back to all of us that – you know, we have to understand the degree to which they believe in Carson. Frankly, I don't really don't. I mean, there are moments in which Carson could have been better, I believe. Uh, but I don't think that Carson's been particularly bad through three games. I really don't. I think he's been more good than bad for the most part. But the knowledge that he has of the offense, the the I guess the poise that he shows behind the scenes, all of this must be real or they wouldn't have named him the starter the way they did a couple of weeks before the start of the season. They are so much more aware of everything as it relates to Carson than the average fan is. And so I do think fans should take that pretty seriously here. Now, I have also said on Saturday against what I believe is an especially weak opponent in UAB, I think that I think that Beck would do well by himself to to go out and have a really big day. I think this team needs as much confidence as it can possibly get before going on the road to Auburn next week. I think there's a really good chance that Auburn beats Texas A&M and perhaps is undefeated hosting Georgia next week, which I think creates a really interesting environment in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And being as confident as you can be going into that game I just think is a pretty big deal. So, you know, Kirby has certainly said all the right things as it relates to Carson. I feel like I understand why they're saying that. How ready do you think Carson is to kind of demonstrate to everybody once and for all that he really is the quarterback of this team? 
So I think the biggest asset that Carson has right now, and a big reason why he won the starting job, in addition to his knowledge in the offense and his ability to recognize coverages, is that he doesn't he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't turn the ball over. Only one interception in Georgia's first three games, and what and that interception came off a deflection where Dylan Bell could have came down with the pass uh, in the win over Ball State. And even on Saturday, and sure, again, he's not taking deep shots on the field. I get that. He's not putting the ball in harm's way, and I think that's a big thing for an inexperienced quarterback to have and not making those risks. The problem sometimes with that is that if you don't start, if you're so risk-averse, you're not going to take advantage and start making big plays. And Stetson you know, had his fair share of interceptions, would see that at times. But he was also a playmaker for that Georgia team, specifically in the 2022 season. Uh, it's only three games into the season this year. I think unlike the 2021 season with Georgia, I don't believe needed a playmaker at the quarterback. They needed a caretaker. And last season, conversely, they needed a playmaker at the quarterback position. Through three games of this season, I think Georgia once again probably needs a playmaker uh, at the quarterback position or at least somewhere closer to the playmaker we saw Stetson Bennett be in 2022 compared to what the offense was in 2021. We'll see what this defense, uh, you know, as alarming as the first half was on Saturday, which to me it was, uh, the second half was reassuring in terms of what the ceiling of this group can be. And, you know, because it's not as veteran as that 2021 team was, uh, it's going to take them probably some time to get to a point where they do become that sort of Galactus planet swallowing defense that we saw Georgia V in 2021. Uh, I think you're going to need, you know, Carson to go out there and, and make plays. And that, you know, right now maybe necessarily isn't in his nature. It's it's to get Georgia in the right offense, to get Georgia in the right spots. But uh, against Auburn, as you point out on the road, look, you know, not turning the ball over is great. At some point in that game, uh, while I'm still skeptical of Auburn based off what I saw against Cal, and again, it's early, you know, don't form strong opinions as my go with the flow record this week will tell you. Uh, don't form strong opinions just yet, but we, we've seen enough from Carson. Again, I think only three touchdown passes in the first three games for Georgia. That's something that I think we want to see improved upon because, you know, again, it's great that he's not turning the ball over. At a certain point, that sort of starts to become he's not taking risks and not taking those shots and not trying to make those plays could potentially be just as harmful as turnovers in the other case. Yeah, my general philosophy on what you're just talking about there is is strong opinions loosely held, right? It's like, yep. <laughs> like I like a good strong take, but I also like to change. If new information becomes available, I like to reserve the right to kind of change the opinion <laughs> and go in a different direction if need be. Uh, we reserve the right to do that around here. Uh, on a different note, Boy, uh, Connor, you could not help but notice that not only does the Georgia injury situation seem to be mounting up, Kirby Smart, I believe, also made a pretty intent point to make sure that people were fully aware of just how injured Georgia was yesterday, which was hard not to notice that part of this yesterday, too. What do you make of the current injury situation for Georgia? Long list of names, and they are notable names here at the moment. Yeah, he brought it up before even sort of delving into um, the uh, UAB, you know, we have a lot of respect for them and what they're doing. I've known Trent Gilford for a long time, yada, yada, spiel that he always begins, you know, uh, the Monday press conference with. Now, Kirby's also very secretive uh, when it comes to injuries and, and statuses and things like that. And, it, you know, that's just naturally who he's going to be. So it's someone who has to ask those questions. It can be a little frustrating sometimes. But Amarius Mims, 
not back till Florida at the earliest, might be even longer than that, as he has tightrope surgery on an ankle that, you know, you for, if you're a Georgia fan, based on what you saw when he was leaving the field, you're probably okay with the fact that it was an ankle injury and not a knee injury, that it, that it could have potentially been there. Uh, Lad McConkey's not going to play this week, and the longer this back injury starts to linger, uh, you know, he will have missed four games now. I'll be real interested in seeing if he plays in Auburn, and if he doesn't play against Auburn, it might be a long time before we see Lad McConkey again there, as that back injury just continues to pretty clearly not get better there. Uh, you know, they're going to get Marvin Jones back. He was dealing with an illness this weekend. Uh, Javon Bullard, I think they're going to play him this weekend in hopes of getting him to be 100% against UAB. Austin Blasky comes back. Uh, he was back at practice this week, uh, or yesterday, rather, and that's going to be big for an offensive line that's going to have to sh- shuffle some things around without Mims. So, again, as Kirby Smart brings up, you know, as we're doing the injury report, and I was getting a free write ready for it yesterday before the Kirby Smart press conference, I'm looking all at all the names on there. I'm like, this is pretty long, and it's, and it's only getting longer there. Now, you know, of right as we stand here right now, the only guy that we know is out for the foreseeable future for the rest of the season is Branson Robinson. So you may be able to start seeing some of these guys come back. But – uh, Georgia, I think, is very lucky, uh, or benefits Georgia, behooves Georgia, that they're playing a very bad UAB team this week and not gearing up for a big SEC game because, as Kirby pointed out, this is just not a very healthy SEC or a Georgia football team right now. Let me get deep in the weeds here for a second. Uh, Blasky's availability, is it a foregone conclusion if he's healthy, he would play tackle and perhaps Trust stays at guard? Or is there a chance that, given the fact that Seems like Trust got some fairly positive reviews for his performance at tackle last week. That he might stay at tackle and maybe becomes a Blasky Fairchild comparison for who might be the guard there. Do we have an indication about how Georgia might shuffle those offensive line pieces with a health, healthy Austin Blasky in the mix? Yeah, we don't right now. Uh, Kirby Smart indicated that it's going to be borne out in practice this week. Uh, I, I do think it should be noted that it seems like the Georgia run game got going a little bit more weirdly after the Amarius Mims injury on sa- on Saturday, and so maybe that changes some things around there. But uh, it's going to be uh, decided up in practice this week whether you know they go with Blasky at that right tackle position or they keep trust there and then decide what to do with Dylan Fairchild at that left guard spot. All right, very quick. I've kept you long, and I apologize, but I want to get this topic in because we really haven't done it much this week. I'm still pretty bullish on the Georgia defense, and there's been some fan criticism of some individual players, um, which I'm not really quite ready to to join in on yet, I don't think. I think there's been some media criticism of the decision to bring pressure on the one third down play, the results in the South Carolina touchdown. I want Georgia to be aggressive. I thought Mikael Williams' emergence, not that he didn't, he didn't need to emerge. He's already, I think, a very good player, but his, I think, full-fledged emergence in the second half here, I think kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse about how dynamic Georgia can be defensively uh Connor I'm pretty bullish on this Georgia defense still gave up a couple of touchdowns the one you know uh uh wildcat thing to Dacron Joyner was obviously not a great moment I don't guess but nobody's perfect I don't think uh but I'm still pretty high on this Georgia defense I certainly haven't seen enough yet they've given up more rushing yards I guess than I'm you know what kind of accustomed to uh but I'm still really really high on this Georgia defense overall where are you on that yeah, I, I think it's if we see the unit we saw in the second half where Spencer Rattler went 6-24 to and South Carolina had 90, 98 total yards of offense, you know, that's the version you want to see. And there are some high points. In addition, you know, if, if Michael Williams is that every week, 
uh, Georgia's just a fundamentally different team, uh, playing with a different ceiling, because that's the, the game record on the defensive line that Georgia was looking for. I thought most of the secondary played pretty great on Saturday. He got another big game out of Tyke Smith. Malachi Starks was all over the place and probably could have came away with an interception. Kamari Lasseter really showed what like, I think a shutdown corner looks like. I thought he played excellent on Saturday. And South Carolina, to their credit, they're like, all right, well, they got three studs back there in, in, in that secondary. So we're going to go after Dalen Everett, the new guy, who I think is still learning some of the intricacies of zone defense and passing guys off and knowing when to step up. And then with uh, Javon Bullard out, David Daniel, South Carolina pretty clearly targeted him and, and had some effectiveness going against him. If Bullard's able to come back, I think that shores up the secondary there. You know, I, I, again, I'm going to be interested in seeing in two weeks against Auburn because, again, I, I can't stress this enough. I think this UAB team might be the wor- one of the worst teams yeah. in the entire FBS this season. Uh, they were down 41-3 to to Louisiana in the fourth quarter yeah. last week before scoring a few late touchdowns yeah. to make that game look a little bit closer. Uh, I, I think this defense... You know, for as much as we talk about what was the difference between the offense in the in the first half and the second half, I think weirdly the defense, the the comparisons were even starker. Now they only gave up two touchdown drives, and one of them came on a shortened field because of the kickoff that went out of bounds. But I think if you continue to see what you saw out of that defense in the second half, where yes, they only finished with three sacks, but the pressure was there consistently, and you get the sticky coverage in the secondary, you've seen enough from that defense to where, okay, maybe they perhaps can get to that 2021 level in terms of dominance, in terms of excellence. Connor, really good stuff. I appreciate that. Obviously, we're loving reading everything you got coming there at dognation.com. These are busy times, and it's fascinating, right? Because, you know, Georgia has some real issues to kind of work itself through here but it's also fun to watch the way they do that and especially with the confidence to believe that they this can be a a really good team before it's all said and done so uh it's interesting to watch it all come together here and we like reading about it uh with you there at dognation.com so thanks for your time and we'll look forward to talking to you back here on our show again next week at this same time as well yep as always was a pleasure before i go uh just Thoughts and prayers go out to Nick Chubb. Uh, Absolutely gruesome. Uh, I hate it for him. Uh, It's as a football fan, you know, someone who loves the NFL, loves watching Nick Chubb play. It was just hard to watch football last night after seeing that happen to him. So hopefully he gets back on his feet. You know, this time next year we're talking about, once again, how awesome a running back he is because he's very clearly an awesome person. You saw that last night with the outpouring of support for him after the injury. No doubt about that, Connor. I I appreciate you saying that, and uh, thanks for your time. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, we're going to get more into the Nick Chubb stuff before the end of the show. And what Connor says there is the other thing that I really noticed about that last night, which is you want to know how good of a dude you are. Notice the way other people talk about you and the universal, consistent level of uh, of just you know support that Nick Chubb's going to get. I mean, people are moved by him they're inspired by him because he just plays the game the right way and he always has going back to his time at georgia and obviously we saw how he came back from a horrific injury at georgia how tough he was in all of that and now he's asked to be tough again the good news is he seems to have toughness in an abundant supply although it certainly seems cruel and unfair that he's being asked to now go through all of this again and obviously tough to have this happen on monday night football because the eyes of the football world are kind of on you know last night it's a doubleheader you know everybody's kind of enjoying that football kind of a sort of a finish to the weekend and kind of a start to the new week we love those doubleheader nights of monday night football but last night obviously a really tough scene for as beloved a dog as there exists i'm just telling you right now 
The level of popularity he has all throughout Dog Nation is almost unmatched. It really is. And so we'll talk more about this in a moment, but uh, I'm glad that Connor said what he said there. I'll also echo this about the Mikael Williams thing, and I want to move on, is that right now we're kind of auditioning, and by we, I mean, you know, Georgia, kind of auditioning the next superstar level players in this defense because you got to have those top end game changer level players to be what you want to be and i think the malachi stark seemingly has taken steps in that direction i believe the kamari laster as connor said seemingly taking steps in that direction but if you want to have a guy that can potentially provide the jalen carter impact of a year ago and there's no doubt carter at times if he didn't want to be blocked there was just no blocking and we've already seen that from him the nfl level the guy who could be that for georgia right now is Mikael Williams and he showed you some of that in the second half and there could be still more of that on the way so with that said let's go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean here today and a simple reminder to you that it's time to get on board the Dog Nation cruise for April of 2024 on board Allure of the Seas I am so confident this is going to be an unbelievable experience for all of you who would like to be a part of it. It's the 22nd through the 26th. We're leaving out of Port Canaveral, which is the easiest, you know, most convenient port to get to from where we are here. Going to Nassau in the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. So many more Dog Nation themed events this year because the cruise itself is bigger and better than anything we've ever done. It's on board an Oasis class ship. That means fun neighborhoods like Central Park and the Boardwalk new specialty restaurants wonderful entertainment options like the uh aqua theater on the back of the ship the high diving show things like that just an incredible incredible experience on board allure of the seas can't wait to see you there for that uh in fact time now to go ahead and be making your plans to be on board april of 2024 royaldogs.com that's the website to go to royaldogs.com for more on that all right i want to talk about some sec stuff some of this kind of a carryover from the weekend and some of this some of the new stuff that's sort of bubbling up for what may be it's certainly the biggest week of the year thus far and perhaps as big a regular season week as we're going to have coming up on this particular Saturday let me start with this I think one of the most eye-opening results from this past weekend was LSU going on the road to Mississippi State Mississippi State's obviously not a great team but LSU was dominant and Jaden Daniels was the guy that led the way and so listen I'm a loud mouth I'm firing off opinions left and right one of the opinions that I fired off is that I believe eventually LSU will be at its best once it realizes they need at least a substantial role for the quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer. Well, on Saturday, Jaden Daniels said, not so fast, my friend. Daniels had an amazing game for LSU, and on the road, in a place that's not easy to win easily, uh, LSU dominated Mississippi State. This was an indication. This is an LSU team that is still going to be heard from, and I believe this is one of the five, six, seven best teams in the country. I, I think they can still perhaps make a push for the playoff. It's going to be hard for two SEC teams to make it just because of the huge number of out-of-conference losses this league has suffered. But in terms of riding off LSU after the Florida State game, if you did that, that was a mistake. Thankfully, we didn't. But uh, this is an LSU team that can still be heard from in a very big way. Road win at Mississippi State, I think, indicates that. I'll also say this very quickly. I believe there's a chance that Zach Arnett's one and done as the Mississippi State coach. Just too big of a transformation. Trying to do too much in the, obviously, the face of the horrible passing of uh, Mike Leach, uh, who, uh, of course, died unexpectedly, very sadly, last year. 
it was a big challenge for whoever was next in the case of Arnett he's a tough-minded defensive coach Mississippi State I think is still pretty good on defense but he's trying to be you know a completely different version of offense that's a really big risk to take just given the personnel that was with that program I believe that risk is likely to fail and I believe that Mississippi State will probably move off of Arnett at the end of the season at least, at least if the results don't change really really fast that's just probably likely to be true I think he's one and done I, I tell you this to, to move on to another game from this past weekend I've been telling you all for a while and I don't take any great pleasure in saying this I'm just a little bit concerned about Sam Pittman out in Arkansas right now they lost a bad game on Saturday to BYU and I love Pittman and I think Pittman I mean this is what's so hard about the SEC and kind of major college football in general y'all they were so close to really finding something right and establishing something I mean it's a dramatic transformation where the team had been when Chad Morris is head coach Sam Pittman deserves all the credit for that but at some point it's like those close losses just kept going the other way kept going the other way and some of that kind of stuff is sort of mounted up here they've had some huge defensive issues and I was really hopeful that the transition to a new defensive coordinator Travis Williams is there now uh and a frankly a transition to maybe a little slower offense which Dan Enos typically likes to run might make it a little bit easier to kind of find a more sound defense they didn't give up a ton of yards on Saturday but too many points to BYU and you just can't lose that game at home if you're Arkansas so Pittman's got to be careful he really really does and I I openly root for Pittman because I loved him when he was here I think he's a really fun personality but even if you're kind of like favorite son status which obviously Sam Pittman has there in Arkansas you still got to win games and right now they're just not winning enough games and too many games against lesser teams which BYU slightly is not to a huge degree but they're slightly of a lesser type team they're just too many games that are closer than they should be or upset type losses and then when you have like the weird balance against Texas A&M a year ago and things like that it's just kind of mounting against Sam Pittman right now and he needs to be careful he really really does Perhaps somebody else who needs to be careful is Lane Kiffin. Kiffin said some very weird stuff to begin the week, which all of a sudden makes this Ole Miss-Alabama game far more interesting. So Kiffin just blurted out uh, to begin the week that he thought that Alabama had changed its defensive play caller, going away from Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, to Avaris Robinson calling those plays. And Kiffin was like, hey, we're ready for uh, Robinson. We've seen him before, whatever, whatever, whatever. And this just sort of set up a firestorm all of a sudden Nick Saban's having to talk about it and everybody's having to discuss it and I frankly think all of this is just really very weird the fact that Kiffin will be so open about this what he thinks that he's seeing uh the fact that it kind of becomes a little bit of another fire for uh Nick Saban in Alabama to put out and the other thing here too is and this is kind of sort of deep in the SEC weeds for a moment those of us who love this conference kind of love the soap operas here apparently the only people out there that think Kevin Steele is a good coach is a small handful of Auburn boosters that wanted to make him head coach for life there and were willing to try to like push the greatest coup of all time to get Steele in as head coach. But nobody else apparently thinks that Steele is anywhere near as good as a small handful of very rich and influential Auburn boosters seem to think he is, which is sort of a weird thing in its own right. Uh, but, you know, Kiffin kind of doubling down on all of this there was also a tweet from kiffin which i still call it twitter also a tweet from kiffin this morning kind of i guess using the lyrics of a taylor swift song to talk about like a, a castle tumbling or whatever i'm not a huge swifty so i don't know the 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 lyric necessarily but it was largely thought to be a little bit of a reference to tumbling the alabama dynasty once and for all on saturday 
like my tinfoil hat alarm is going off in a very big way about stuff like this. That Lane Kiffin, who's essentially subservient to Nick Saban and kind of always has been, is he doing all of this to do Nick Saban a favor? I mean, obviously it would seem at face value that would be impossible. But my gosh, it just seems like, you know, Kiffin is constantly deferential to Nick Saban. And yet right here before the game, he's uh, shooting his mouth off and doing all this kind of stuff and, you know, stirring up all kinds of controversy. I don't know. Maybe this is in keeping with his get your popcorn ready line before the game in 2021 when Ole Miss got completely embarrassed. I'm not a fan of Kiffin. You all know that. Uh, This is, I think, pretty weird behavior. Now, if he's telling the truth about Steele, I guess that's interesting. But nonetheless, adding a little bit of a spice to a game that already has plenty of spice because right now we're just not quite so sure exactly what Alabama is and uh, Lane Kiffin doing his part to make himself as big a story as the Alabama part of all of this and then speaking of Alabama there are also reports out there of the dreaded players only meeting happening around Tuscaloosa uh, and I think what you see here is the example of what does happen when you make weird quarterback decisions because we talked about this as it relates to Carson Beck a little earlier quarterbacks are focal points teams rally around quarterbacks if you ever played football one of the things you know is and you, you never want this to happen but sometimes it does sometimes factions of players rally around different quarterbacks right have you ever noticed that before uh and oftentimes we don't hear about that in college football because as i've told you before bad news doesn't leak but um but oftentimes you know you you kind of see some of this happen and when you go to this quarterback, then you jerk him out and put this quarterback in, then you jerk him out and put the other one back in. At that point in time, you're asking your players to basically start voting about who they think the best guy is. And that's why you have to sort of speak with one voice about who your quarterback is because the last thing you want is for it to become this sort of, you know, kind of <laughs> opinionated locker room of, well, this is my guy and that's my guy and we're kind of divided here. So Nick Saban has made some very unorthodox quarterback decisions as of late and he needs to be careful because it can lead to division among the team you can't have divisive factions now supposedly after this players only meeting any kind of divisiveness and i won't even pretend to know why the divisiveness would have perhaps been there although oftentimes this stuff does relate to quarterback but in this case i can't say for sure what perhaps led to some potential dissension among alabama players but quarterback instability certainly does not help in situations like this but after the players only meeting Alabama says they're all on the same page here so we'll see if that's the case sometimes these players only meetings don't don't really help with that uh very much but we'll see we'll see finally there's this uh stepping away from the SEC although a name that's very well tied to the SEC including here at Georgia Michigan State has announced that it's firing Mel Tucker what they say with cause because of the allegations um that are out there about Tucker I won't pretend to be an expert on this because uh I'm very very long way away several hundred miles away I think this story needs to be fully vetted that's all I'll say I, I think this story needs to be fully investigated and fully vetted and we'll see if that's the case we'll see how that plays out and obviously we'll give you any updates if that becomes uh available but for now we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean now we're gonna get back to georgia here in a moment although admittedly not the best news as it relates to the dogs but prior to that let me give a shout out here to my friends at discover dunwoody because uh you know as you've heard me say before in fact some of y'all have even weighed in about this you've heard me talking about this that the atlanta area is big and it's vast and obviously you get into like midtown or buckhead downtown it's crowded right you got busy streets sometimes expensive hotels and the whole thing is just kind of a lot of hustle and bustle so when your travel cause for you to causes for you to visit here to atlanta 
one of the things you might want to consider doing as a very convenient option is to stay right here where we broadcast from each and every day right here in the Dunwoody area because you're talking about you know hundreds of restaurant options hundreds of shopping options I was shopping the other day right here in Dunwoody having a great time doing so lots of great food the kind of fancy fine dining you want kind of uh more fast casual type stuff you want kind of farm to table kind of you know kind of cool options like that just so many amazing kind of dining options here lots of hotels like couple thousand hotel rooms for you to kind of uh have your choice of which means great prices and great experience and kind of a family-friendly environment sort of outside the atlanta hustle and bustle but it's also conveniently nestled right in between a couple different marta stations so you can get into downtown or buckhead wherever you might need to go uh, pretty conveniently there because of that so check out discover dunwoody slash dog nation for more on this that is discover dunwoody.com slash dog nation for a lot more on that all right, let's get back into the Georgia conversation here for a moment. And uh, Connor Riley kind of laid out some of the injury stuff uh, that Georgia's dealing with. And Kirby Smart, to kind of kick off his press conference yesterday, sort of in no uncertain terms, uh, wanted to let folks know about just how, uh, how tough and how challenging all of this is right now, even compared to previous years, according to Kirby, that Georgia's dealing with the nature of injuries right now. They're just not quite used to. This is what Kirby said about that yesterday. Ron informed me that we have the longest injury list we've ever had since being here. So uh, it continues to grow. And I think that's a trend across college football. You very rarely hear me talk about um, our guys being injured or, you know, woe is me. I don't think it's something that you can you can control. We practice how we practice. And, uh, you know, for a couple years we've been really fortunate um, to not have very many injuries. And I always hear about other teams. and. This year, it seems to be the theme across. I know Shane had a lot at South Carolina. There's a lot of them in SEC opponents, but we certainly have more than we've ever had. So that becomes a hurdle. We got to do a good job overcoming that, and uh, we got to be very resourceful as coaches uh, in how we use the players we do have. So I think that's real. Kirby Smart says we're not going to use that as an excuse, but we are going to acknowledge as a reality. And some of these, I don't know. I mean, like the Lad McConkey thing, as Connor said. I mean. I won't pretend to have any kind of like insight into how, you know, medical recoveries are going to go. But doesn't this start to feel a little bit like the A.D. Mitchell thing where, you know, a year ago, you know, Georgia didn't really get him back until late. Now, when he came back, he made some huge plays for Georgia. So perhaps McConkie's able to do that, too. And maybe he comes back far sooner than I'm suggesting that he will right now. But the longer it goes, I think that Connor brought up a pretty good point about this. That if you don't play against Auburn, that means that there isn't some like date on the calendar that they're like well we'll get him back and we'll be cautious and make sure he's ready to go by so and so game first road game in the sec that would seem to be the type of game you'd want to be all hands on deck for so if it lingers for the next two weeks then it's at least possibility they could linger far longer than that and then the idea about amarius mims and the so-called tightrope surgery which it seems like we hear so much more about now than we used to maybe this is just sort of a new innovation but that, to me, on paper, I mean, I would have said before the year began, that's one of your small handful of most important players in this roster. The fact that it's like November at the soonest for Mims, that's a pretty big deal. Now, you know, Blasky, Fairchild, Truss, guys like that, ready to step up, ready to step in. Maybe that's the case. But we believe that Amarius Mims is a first-round level talent, and you certainly don't get better losing first-round level talents. And for a few weeks here, it seems like that's going to be the case with Mims. That's a pretty big deal. What sounds like a reaggravation of an MCL for uh, Kendall Milton, who's had, I know, such bad injury luck. Uh, it, it's a tough spot here right now. And so, as I said before, it's not an excuse. Georgia won't use it as one. But it is a reality, and you've got to acknowledge it. And how you coach around that, as Kirby said, 
that's a big challenge for this Georgia coaching staff here right now. And as we wrap up here today, I want to echo what has been said by others about just a horrible, horrible injury last night for a beloved dog, Nick Chubb. Looking forward to Monday Night Football. Obviously, anytime you get a chance to watch Chubb, you love that. He has carried himself so well in the NFL. Um, I think he's the best running back in football. And um, just another horrific injury for him. We obviously remember what happened to him in 2015. We remember how courageously he fought back from that. And now being asked to have to do that again in lieu of any kind of golden shoe or anything today, I wanted to make mention of this and just say to Nick, you know, we're praying for you. We're rooting for you. You know, the level of love and support that he has around Dog Nation, I think is unlike anything really any player has had. People just believe that he plays the game the right way. They want more Nick Chubbs, as many of them as we can get in our football lives. And so, Nick, we're right here for you and we'll be cheering for you. And we believe you'll be back. Uh, like always, just as good as you've ever been. So uh, best of luck on the long road to an injury recovery here. Uh, horrific scene last night there on Monday Night Football for that. So, Nick, all of us here at Dog Nation Daily send sincere prayers out to you for that. And we wanted to make sure we made mention of that on today's show. And on a slightly happier note, we'll give you a Gator-Hater countdown. Of course, Georgia back in Jacksonville, 39 days from right now. Nick Chubb, part of some, uh, you know, uh, certainly a very fun win there back in 2017. Uh, We'll always have good memories of that. And so, uh, obviously, we'll send prayers out to him uh, as we close out today's show. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.